Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name's Colin McDuff and I'm delighted to be hosting another episode of the 10 Questions show. The show where we ask one of our guests to answer our set 10 questions on their time following Rangers. This week I'm delighted to be joined by the host of the Heart and Hand podcast, David Edgar. David, how are you doing? I'm good, Colin, um, especially today uh, as we record the day after the second leg against Dortmund. So I uh, haven't slept and I don't think I'll be alone among Rangers fans and that just kept lying in bed. But then lying in bed, we playing all the good things as opposed to after, you know, a draw or, or a defeat when we lying. Why could you know just of so uh, it, it was a happy non-sleep. I was thinking that when I asked you to come on, like, I hope this isn't too much of a busman's holiday asking you to come <laughs> on um, on a podcast talking about Rangers, but this is, as you say, as good a day as any to talk about all things Absolutely. on the club. Yeah, I mean, it's always it's always an honour to be asked to do anything and always trying uh, to, to, if people are kind enough to want to talk to me about it, then I'm more than happy to do it. So I don't think there'll be too many listeners, uh, the Gallant few, who haven't came across Heart and Hand in their day. Um, Phil, yeah, basically, we're a Heart and Hand light. You know, I'm, I'm David Edgar without the part of money or the followers. Um, <laughs> so for the avoidance of doubt, David, um, tell the listeners a bit about yourself and how you came about following Rangers. Uh, well, it came about following Rangers was I, I don't think I had any choice really. Um, I, I, I've been a Rangers fan since I was four, um, and I probably was before it and just can't remember it. Uh, it basically, I mean, the town I grew up in, Winning, is the the it's just Rangers, you know, and it's it's not even up for debate. It's just everybody here supports Rangers. That's Ayrshire in general is like that, but uh, you you kind of grow up in it, you know what I mean? It's sort of it's like oxygen, it's just there, it's around you, and obviously, you know, with my family as well, being being big fans, and at, at school, you know, I, I didn't meet a Celtic supporter until I was 19, uh, so, uh, you know, when I went to university, so it was, it was always just you know, a, a big part of my life. And I think that as well, for me, I've always been one of these, you know, I was one of the wee boys. I just loved football. 
you know, if I wasn't playing it, I was watching it or I was reading about it. Um, and I'm still at that. I'm at my happiest. I'll, I'm one of these guys that will watch, you know, like what's on the telly night. Oh, Icelandic second division, Gablund versus Osk. I'll watch that. Um, that's always been my, uh, you know, the, I, I just love the sport as well. So it just has been a part of my life longer than you know any my parents really that's the only thing in my life that's lasted that's lasted longer than my love of rangers now you're in the very fortunate position you get to talk about it full time um, every day of the week that's it's not too bad yeah i mean that's that's the thing it, it's amazing how your uh, life can can develop in ways that you don't expect it to i'm not really much of a a planner, as anybody who's worked with me will know, I tend to look, you know, what we're doing today, and that's pretty much as far as my thought process goes. Um, which is why I like sometimes when people say, you know, ah, you had this plan to to do this podcast and everything, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, mate, I I decided eleven years ago I would do this podcast. Twelve years ago now, Jesus, um, and then eventually one day the technology would be available to be able to do one every day. Um, I, yeah, I, I just was fortunate enough that uh, I had the opportunity to do, you know, a podcast back in the day, and, and I did. And yeah, you know, for years and years we were one a week, and and it was fine. And then I thought, yeah, I some changes in my lifestyle when I turned forty. Um, I basically sort of semi-retired, and I thought I'll do, you know, because because I need to do something. Can't he sit about all day, uh, much as it's it's appealing um and i thought well I'll, I'll do this and i can maybe put it and the thought process was maybe a daily news show and some other stuff and it just it snowballed and it's it's it has gone many times beyond my wildest expectations like i, w- I was kind of hopeful when we first started that we'd maybe get a couple of hundred subscribers uh i had in my mind if we got 300 that would be you know wow i would be unbelievable um and i but i thought to get that 300 i need to you know bug friends and family and go come on just come on just sign up um and then you know it got bigger and bigger and bigger but none of it's ever been calculated or or we have a plan to do it because one i'd forget what the plan was and two i'm a great believer that plans are just giving god something to laugh at you know life happens and you need to just roll with it so that's that's kind of where we go and that's the other i I don't know where it's going (laughs) i don't know because surely that's that's the fun part isn't it the journey uh so i just sort of roll with it and see where we end up and and it's it's been great it could all end tomorrow it could all end in 10 years i don't know but while it's while it's happening i just try to enjoy it uh the winning approach certainly brings a bit of excitement um on what comes next yeah well you, you know i remember a great story i got told about a mate who was having uh his his first child him and his wife were having their first child and he would get right in it and he had you know the birthing plan and everything and they'd done all the classes and everything so when they get to the hospital uh, after her waters broke he says to the nurse uh, the midwife he said um oh i've got this birthing plan and he gave, goes for to give her this piece of paper and she bursts out laughing and goes this is lovely son but there's a baby in there and he's no read it and <laughs> you know and that's it isn't it it's like you know you can you can try to plan stuff as much as you want things will happen so it drives some of the podders nuts because they'll say to me you know what are you doing in three weeks? Can you come in this show? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing in three weeks. I don't know what I'm doing in three hours. So, um, but yeah, we, we wing it and we see where we go. And I think it's important actually to retain that in any 
you know, podcast or creative enterprise at all is you've got to have room and you've got to have a bit of freedom to do it because otherwise if you force it it'll sound forced and people can tell when it sounds forced and with us it means that maybe we're a wee bit ramshackle at times and maybe we're not quite sky sports but i I think that's what keeps us interesting i certainly what keeps it different um i think think there's definitely been an appeal especially for rangers fans over the last 10-15 years um we've not quite got where we wanted for the media so a group of mates talking absolute shit um, as they would down the pub or I don't know at the game then there's definitely an appeal to that Absolutely and that's always what the, the point of it was that it has has always been for me about you know this should sound like your mates and I think that that's one of the reasons why we've we've had such a good international audience because we, we want to try and connect people to Ibrox um, we want to keep people connected who maybe aren't and then for other fans especially with what's happened the last two years when people couldn't get together to discuss football that at least they had this group of people that you know we they get to know us and we get to know them through the comments they put on the site and and their emails and stuff um yeah that's just always been the plan uh that's just always been always been the plan that's always been the intention not the plan that it should sound like a group of your mates in the pub and by the way that means sometimes that somebody will say something you disagree with right he'll have an opinion about a player or an opinion about a match that you disagree with but like when you're sitting with your mates you don't need to shout and ball about it you're just able to say like people get so angry on the internet you know i can't believe you would play this guy instead of that guy mate it's just an opinion um and I think that 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 was one of the reasons why I wanted so many podders on the site because we've got like 40 or 50. And I was talking to a listener the other day and he says, you know, sometimes I can find you a wee bit optimistic. And I said, I am naturally optimistic. And I'm one of these people who after a bad result, I'll stew for a couple of hours and then that's it, on to the next game. Whereas some of the other podcasters on the site will be, you know, are much more negative or pessimistic, not negative, but pessimistic. And I think you need that balance. You couldn't have 40 people who think like I think, but you couldn't have 40 people who think like they think. You've got to have a mix. Uh, and I think that, that having that means that you hopefully cover as much of the kind of range of emotions as fans are feeling as possible. No, you're right. And it, going back to your point, it sounds like a normal discussion you would have with normal people as opposed to six guys coordinating, uh, all talk about the one message. It, it sounds mm. more natural. Yeah, totally. And and one of the things that, that we've always been fortunate about on Heart and Hand is that if you go to our site, there's not any, we don't tolerate abuse because it's like these are fellow Rangers fans, respect them. You know, by all means disagree, but there's a way to do it. For example, if somebody says, I, I hear what you say, but I disagree and here's why, that's totally fine. If somebody goes, you're talking pish, you idiot, then we don't stand for that because I think that the internet kind of makes you go like that doesn't it it makes you it polarizes opinion you've either got to be one thing or the other um whereas we just prefer these are people talk to them like you would talk to them face to face don't talk to them in that internet way talk to them that with a bit of respect because these are fellow rangers fans and we all want the same thing and i think that we're all under you know enough pressure from people who don't like us without turning on our own no absolutely um so 
just looking ahead of this interview, David, I've put in the sending over ten questions, the usual ten questions that we we ask our guests to come on and answer. Um, you've been a Rangers fan since I, since before you remember. So, mm. how how hard did you find it to narrow narrow down to one answer for each of these questions? Very difficult. Um, first of all, you go blank a little bit, um, and you go you can't think of anything. And then you sit and think about it and you've got like 400 things that go into your head and then you keep remembering, you go, right, I'm settled on this. And then you think, but what about that? Uh, and it, it is, it's it's, uh, it, it's like when I was a wee boy at school and the primary school teacher would say to me, draw a picture of something. And, my, and I would, something? There's so many things. And eventually you end up drawing a tree because there's one outside the window and you see it. And that's, you know, the teacher gets 23 trees. Um, that it's kind of like that. No, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, um, we had one of our podders on Davy Park. He's actually, um, he came on the uh, heart and hand, uh, Rangers then, Rangers now, a few yes. weeks ago. Um, yes. uh, he's he's wrote a story or two, but I had to I had to say I'm halfway through. Like, listen, for the first three answers, you've gave me a short list of fifteen. Like, <laughs> this this podcast will go on for about four days if we keep on going at that rate. It's, but, it's not a short list, that is it? It's a list. Yes, we not. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Davy, yeah, he's he's wrote a tale for every scenario. Um, uh, he was good. He was good on that show as well. Um, some great stories. So on to the first question, mate. Um, what's your favourite Rangers goal? My favourite ever Rangers goal. Now, again, short list, so I'll just uh, hold on. I'll open the book that I wrote here. Um, my favourite ever Rangers goal. It's a bit of a cliche. I think it was actually voted uh, the greatest ever Rangers goal in our poll that we did a couple of years ago. But it's Paul Gascoigne versus Aberdeen in uh, 1996, April 1996, because it it was a great goal. It's the second one. His first one that day is a beauty as well. But goals great goals are also about context and you know for instance there's an overhead kick that peter lovencran scored at aberdeen that's a stunner but nobody ever talks about it because we lost that game and great goals in great moments are the ones that that really spring to mind in that day you know we're, we're going for the league title we're expecting to win it that day but there's only 10 minutes left and famously Alan mclaren turns around to Gascoigne and says, come on, you're supposed to be the special player. Do something. Well, does he take that to heart or what? Uh, he gets the ball in his own half and he just charges and there are Aberdeen players running at him. And to run at that speed, and I don't think we think of Gaz as maybe being the most athletic, but, you know, he could do this. You know, he could move long distances at speeds that other players weren't matching. And then they're trying to foul him because they know. So the Aberdeen players are trying, if you watch it, they're, they're trying to kick him and he's just holding them off and he won't let it happen. So to run with the ball at that pace and keep it under control, that's one thing. How many times you see a player get into the box after a run like that and then screw the shot because his legs have gone um, uh, because he, you know, he's used up all his energy to get there. Gaza doesn't, doesn't panic, doesn't leather it. He just calmly passes the ball into the corner of the net and Ibrox went absolutely bananas. It was just an incredible moment from an incredible player. It's it's a it's an excellent choice because 
when we ask these questions, it's these questions are all down to your interpretation of it. So your favourite goal can be the best goal that you've seen, or the most important goal that you were there for, or just everything clicked that day. But that's that's probably one of the ones that it just clicked. It was a it was an amazing goal technically for a wonderful player who who could do the unpredictable, but at the same time it it meant so much. And I think the pressure that he was under as well, because you know literally a teammate is screaming at him. Come on. Now, if the teammates are thinking that, you can bloody guarantee that everybody in that stadium that day was thinking that. It's like, you know, come on, do something. Because Aberdeen were, were sitting in and it it was not going to be easy to break them down. And of course, there's pressure, you know, there, there's real pressure as the clock ticks down. And uh, look, it, if it'd been a goal that went in off somebody's backside, it would still have been celebrated that way. But it was the manner of it. And it was just a, a special player doing something that very few players that I've ever seen would be remotely capable of doing. And the genius of these guys, the, the real top ones, the ones you remember forever, are that they did it regularly and he did it regularly and Loudrop did it regularly. They were they were top players because they consistently could pull things out of nowhere that, that as I say nobody else on that park was remotely capable of, of coming up with and big players do it when it matters it's all well and good being brilliant when we're 3-0 up at home to St Mirren you know that that's that's fine and, and, and it's fun but do it when we're not playing well do it when we're struggling do it when we really need something do it in the biggest games on the biggest stages and that's that's what differentiates top players from ordinary players and a top top player Gaza was, and it's a fine goal that we spoke about there, just to just to really sum him up. Um, on the next one, mate. So obviously that goal was at Ibrox, um, a haven for all of us. But where's the where's the strangest place you found yourself watching a Rangers game? Uh, well, uh, there's there's been a few. Um, obviously, you know, on our, on our travels, you'll go and and watch the Bears in various different places. But at the end of the day. Rangers are there, so I'm not sure, you know, quite how how strange that that might count for. Um, I think, you know, for me, the the oddest place that I've ever watched a game involving Rangers was, believe it or not, in this pub in uh, in Nashville, in Tennessee. It's funny actually, because one of our subscribers got in touch with me last night, and he's living there, and he was heading it to paint the town red. But we were in um, Nashville on holiday. And Rangers were playing a friendly. And I took my laptop down to this bar and said, look, do you mind? Because it's like the middle of the day. And I said, do you mind if I plug this in to the screen and watch it? And they're like, no, go for it. And I had this crowd of, you know, people from Tennessee, <laughs> you know, musicians and stuff around me going, so what's this? So is this your team, is it? Uh, and, you know, not understanding why I was taking it so seriously, considering it was a friendly. Um, but what can we do we're Rangers supporters you know if the team's playing you need to watch it um, and they were they were really kind you know and they sat about and you know we, we had drinks and stuff and whatnot and it, it was a, a real fun day but as that I mean that that's the reason I'd take the laptop on holiday with me which is a pain in the arse to carry uh, but you know I was like no I want to watch the Rangers game when I'm there and I have so much admiration. I've met so many of these Bears, the expat Bears, for their commitment because the you know the RSCs 
that have sprung up all around the world, which you know carry the name of our club internationally, which is is massive. But also, I think there's something really quite special about the comradeship of it. That especially now you can okay, you need to get up in the middle of the night in some places to watch the Rangers games or during work times, but you could do it in the house now, you know, and just put the laptop on at, at, at 4am and watch the game but they don't they get together and they keep that kind of communal thing of being a supporter uh, and I know from speaking to like boys in New Zealand and Australia that there's been some special nights at like four o'clock on a Monday morning for them you know when we've won an old firm match or whatever and they're all dancing about in a pub I think there's something really special about that so I'm just um, I'm just at a picture of you stoning in like, the bold David Edgar for for Ayrshire <laughs> <laughs> taking over the the guy's telly. There was a band there. Please tell me you turned up the commentary and told the band to leave the rehearsal to the next day. The, the band were on at night, um, so they just came over and got plastered with us. And if you've been to Nashville, you'll know that all the bars are basically music bars because musicians from all over America go to Nashville because that's where you might get spotted or you know become a session musician. Um, it, 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 so the the music that's on in these bars is phenomenal. I mean, these guys can play. So I, you know, that was one of the reasons we were there. Um, because I, you know, at, at the time I was still drinking, so we were out every night, and you'd go to these bars and you'd see these really phenomenally good bands and musicians, like proper, you know, like like bands with with horn sections and stuff like proper burning soul music and these guys were on a par with musicians anywhere in the world so yeah it's about you know one o'clock in the afternoon when i go down and i kind of chance my arm that it would be maybe quieter at that point and it wouldn't be that busy and i was right as you say the band are in and they're playing at like four o'clock so they're all in and they're having something to eat and they come over and they're like so what are you watching and i would have just watched it on my laptop in the pub um if he'd said no but i had a scarf cable and i was like do you mind if i plug this into that telly and he's like no go for it mate um which was because americans are, are generally pretty nice people i know it seems odd with some of the news that comes out of there but they're really you know friendly individuals especially in the south and i figured that What's the worst he can tell? He can tell me to F off. But I knew that the, the bar had Wi-Fi. And um, yeah, I just uh, I went down there and plugged in. And then my wife at the time, uh, she comes down a couple of hours later and I'm absolutely miraculous, you know, because I've been sitting with these, hey, ladies, it's my pal, you know. Um, and we had a great night, you know, because the band were up playing and, you know, they, they were doing... Um, as I say, soul music, you know, all the you know classics, like Soul Man and stuff like that, and they were burning. They were so good. It was just a, a fantastic day. <laughs> you talk, you spoke about at the start of the the show about you don't really plan it. You like the wing approach. You fucking took a laptop and a scrap cable on all the way just in the off chance. Well, you know, you, the, the thing, this is, you know, I didn't have a, this is before iPads. Well, I think iPads might be out, but I didn't have one. Uh, so, you know, the, there wasn't that option available. So I uh, I took that. I was watching The Wire, you know, the, the TV show as well. Yeah. So there was a, another reason that me and my wife, it, it, The Wire and The Sopranos are the only two shows that I've ever, you know, got out of bed early in the morning before work to get an episode in, you know? So we were right in the middle, I think, Series 3 of The Wire, and we took the DVDs, because the... And I was like, well, watch this in a room. So that was another reason, you know, Scott 
into the hotel room to be able to watch some episodes of it. But uh, I look when it comes to Rangers, we all you know we go right. Okay, if I do this, I'll be able to you know um, get around that. And, and you can get asked for stuff like a mate of mine, um, Tom, who uh, runs the fundraising for the Rangers supporters, asking appeal. He said to me a few weeks ago, "Would you host a dinner for us?" I said, "Of course I would." You know, but, you know, it's Erskine that it, it goes with it saying. And he said, "It's the night before the old fun game uh, in Kirkintalloc." Now I don't drive, so I was like, "Ah, shit!" Right. Well, how am I going to get home? And I was like, "Well, I'm not, so I'll need to get a hotel room in Glasgow." And I was all set for that. And then my dad said, "Well, I'll come with you, and then you'll get a lift home anyway." So I, I think it's always there's always it's like a kind of flashing light in your head when it comes to fixtures, isn't it? That says, you know, be aware of of being able because we're playing Celtic the next day at like twelve o'clock. So I was like, "How am I going to get home? I'm not going to get home. I'll need to stay in a hotel room. I'll need to be near so I can get to Ibrox in the morning. I'll need to take my gear. You know, all of that happens. But uh, as I say, thankfully my dad's coming, so uh, I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't need to. Happy days go. Lifted and laid there uh, the night before. Oh, I, I absolutely sincere. I, I mean, my, my dad is just a phenomenally nice guy. One of the reasons I don't have kids is that I always knew I wouldn't be as good at it as my parents are. Um, they're just ridiculous. Like, even last night, he phones me as, as I'm heading up to Ibrox and he said, uh, how are you getting home tonight? Um, because it could run, you know, it was going to run past the last train. And I said, uh, by the time we were out of press, I wouldn't have time to get into six centre to get a train. And I said, I, I, I'll need to just get a taxi. Um, but it's fine, don't worry about it. And then, you know, during the game, get the text, I'm on my way. You know, and that's, yeah. What a hero. Oh, he's, he's the man. He's absolutely the man. I've got two heroes in my life, Ali McCoy and my dad. <laughs> I do. Um but all I'm gonna say is uh, I don't see Alan McCoyst um, going out his way to get a left home. So no, uh, no, and, and to be honest, see, see when I asked him, I mean you would, you know, <sighs> no, uh, but uh, I it was it was uh, and a really weird uh, coincidence last night as I was leaving the the the, the stadium I ran into Alan McCoy. So that just made a special night even even more special. I know what what a way to top it off, man. Oh man, and he's so nice because Ali. Ali can't even walk anywhere without hundreds of people being around him and wanting a photo and wanting to chat to him. And he makes time for everybody and he chats to them and he does the picture and he makes you feel like it's no bother. And it must get a bit great, but he's just he's just such a good guy. And he, um, that's the thing about, look, I talk about, we all talk about levels between Rangers fans and other fans. Look at that as a representative and then look at some of the ex-players that represent other clubs. Um, and it's not even a contest, is it? No, just different ball game altogether. The, yep. the biggest thing with Alan McCoy, I've never met him, but people say he's exactly how you'd expect him to be when you meet him. And I think that's a testament, to a compliment for any celebrity. Yep, absolutely. Um, it, it, he, he doesn't need to do that for people. You know, he, he doesn't. He, he could go... I'm too busy, lads, or know the night, or I've just done 10 minutes, I want to get away. And people would understand it, but he doesn't. And even just those, you know, we, you know, 30 seconds that he spends with you makes your year. Um, because, you know, look, I grew up in the 80s. Ali McCoyst is a legend, um, but he's he is my hero. He was my Roy of the Rovers, you know. He's, he's I don't know many people my age that don't feel the same way about him. But on top of being... 
you know, 300 and what is it, 335 goals for Rangers. On top of that, on top of, you know, being such a great commentator, he's just a thoroughly, thoroughly nice human being. And, and as I say, I'm proud that a guy like that is one of our legends. Aye, that total, I don't know, icon and just mm. such a great ambassador for the club. Um, yes. I couldn't agree more. Um, I don't know how we ended up in that with McCoy's, but um, actually the strangest place uh, we watched uh, you watched the Rangers game, kind of along the same lines, Davey, which um, there may be a, a recent contender for this one, uh, but what's been your best away day or away <laughs> for Rangers? Uh, yeah, you're no wrong. Um, I, I, I'm sorry for the recency bias, folks. Um, but you know, I, I can't even know give a mention to Dortmund uh, just last week because I didn't have any real expectations. You know, like I, I'm honestly more nervous before a league game uh, than than I was before that one, just because I thought, look, it's Borussia Dortmund. We've got through the group. You know, that's par. You know, tick. If we lose, we lose. And I was—I I remember saying to Martin, my friend that I was with, I, I was like, "Look, I don't. I hope it's at least alive for next week because, you know, it's been fifty quid a ticket. I don't really want it to be a. You know, Ollie is heading in for basically a friendly. You know, like if Dortmund had won four nil. Um. So I was like, oh, let's just keep it alive. No injuries. All of that kind of stuff." And, you know, we go into the stadium and it's some place, um, Dortmund. And by this stage, we've already been told because of the storms that our flights home have been cancelled. So, you know, you're like, right, OK. And we go into the stadium and it, and it is a remarkable place, uh, the Vestfalen Stadium. But there's only there was only 10,000 in. And Rangers had 500 tickets. There were more than 500 bears in there, I'll tell you that right now. The Union Jacks in the home end were yeah. sight to be seen, by the way. Yeah, there were a lot more than 500 in that stadium. So we go in and, you know, you see the Dortmund line-up and you're, I all right. <laughs> you know, fair enough. And we kick off and, you know, we're playing quite well. And after 20 minutes, I said, yeah, so far so good. And Martin went, aye, but I think they're just beginning to, you know, warm up. I said, aye, I think you're right. Then the ref... You know, stops the game and we're like, VAR. And I thought, well, it can only be a red card and a, or a penalty. And then it comes up on the big screen, penalty check. And I'm like, it has to be for us because, you know, we've, we were in their box. They've not been in our box for like three minutes and the ball's been out of play. And sure as fate, he, he points to, to their penalty spot. Tav puts it. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. You know, we're a goal up. But still no really, you know. Then it's two. I'm, we're kind of looking at each other going, is this real? You know, we're 2-0 up against Dortmund. So into the second half, right, they're going to come back. It is, if we get a draw here, that's fantastic. Lundstrom steps forward, puts that peach into the bottom corner, and you're going, right, what is going on here? Rangers are 3-0 up against Dortmund. Dortmund get one back, Bellingham. What a player he is, by the way. Um, and you, that whole stadium feels, uh, 100% that whole stadium is going, ah, here comes a comeback. The players think it, the manager thinks it, Colin, the, the, the fans think it, even we think it, right? Here comes a comeback. A minute later, Rangers go and make it 4-1. And obviously it finishes 4-2. I was just high as a kite. And it was the kind of result that you knew that everybody in Europe was talking about. And the hotel we were staying in is just next to the stadium. 
Dortmund's a weird place, you know, there's like 600,000 people live there, but there's very little to do in it. So the, the stadium kind of is the, the big selling point of it. And we're sitting and there's loads of Dortmund fans in there. It's kind of like a, a do, like where Dortmund fans meet before the game. And they're all coming up to us and thought, that was superb. You guys were terrific. You know, you, we didn't realise you were as good as you are. And that was superb. And, you know, my pal Martin, he was desperate to get home. I decided to stay an extra night. Um, and the, the airline had lost a luggage, so we've only got the clothes we're standing in, you know. Um, but we'd been up at half three that morning to get there. And I, I couldn't face two nights uh, without sleep. I had some health issues last year, but uh, had a couple of um, mini strokes. And one of the things the doctors told me is, don't get too tired, because then you're much more at risk of of you know a full stroke happening. So I was like, look, mate, I can't stay up all night again. So he travelled all night to get to the airport and eventually got a flight home the next day. I stayed to the Saturday um, and got a flight uh, home. And it was just just unbelievable. Anybody who's been in a European away, they'll tell you that it's not just about the game. It's about, you know, getting to see the town. It's about, you know, having a, a bit of a kind of social aspect. But it's also about running in and meeting so many new bears. And I met two fantastic lads when I was there. Um, we, we had to split a taxi because all the trains were off on the Saturday morning to uh, to uh, Frankfurt. And it's that it's that community sense and that feeling of being part of something bigger than yourself that, that's just extraordinary. And you knew even after the first leg, that's an iconic performance. We'll never forget this night. To then go on and actually complete the job, though, that, I think, kicks it up to a different level. Uh, the fact of that, the amount of away trips or the way days you would have been on and you've picked the one where your flight got cancelled on the way home, which is really sums, <laughs> up, sums up how iconic this game's going to be. I totally agree with you. It would have been fine. Uh, it would have been sorry. It would have been just the bloody thing if we'd lost four 0 and the flight was cancelled. I would have been, I think, a lot, <laughs> a lot more pissed, and my <laughs> luggage was lost. But you know, I I, I didn't sleep that night. Uh, I I just was sitting in my hotel room watching endless replays of goals in the game and chatting to people, and it was just yeah. I, I knew, as I say that night, that this is something I'll never forget. But. To then go on, Colin, and, and, and do, you know, and knock them out, I think, uh, iconic, that's the word for it. It's going to be one that we we tell future generations about. Yes, and just to put an absolute dampener on it, the about half an hour after uh, final whistle, in the in the away leg in the first leg, uh, we got confirmation through that we actually tested positive for COVID. So, oh no, markets here missed. I had to give away my ticket um, for Rangers putting out Dom and the Ibrox, but going back to what you were saying there, just about you had to <laughs> you had to ch- change your flight and everything. I knew I was missing this uh, re- return leg, but I was still high as a kite. Tested <laughs> <laughs> po- tested positive for COVID, nothing was bringing me down. I don't give a fuck. We've just got <laughs> in their own backyard. That's how big it was. That was exactly it. You know, it was like, ah, after flight cancelled, who gives a fuck? I've no luggage, who gives a fuck? Because we'd just been, and nothing else can make you feel like that. Nothing else can make you feel, you know, I mean, I've taken a lot of stuff in my life to, to try and alter my conscious, and there's no high like the last two Thursday nights. The, the, and nothing that lasts as long as the last two Thursday nights. It's it's sensational. And as you say there, and I'm sure you were the same when you got your diagnosis, ah, that's Tomorrow I'll worry about that. Tonight, tonight belongs to us. 
Yeah, that's Friday's problem. Uh, future Colin can deal with that. Future Colin's problem, not today <laughs> Colin's problem. I like that attitude. Yeah. So we spoke about the wonderful and absolutely wonderful result. Um, let's talk about the weird and the bizarre. Um, what's the funniest thing that you've ever seen at a Rangers game, Davey? Um, Mr. Wu would be up there. <laughs> Is that the guy that done the keepy-ups? That's the guy that done the keepy-ups at Ibrox, and it was a miserable day. I'm pretty sure, I think it was Inverness we were playing. Miserable day. The game itself was fairly dull. I think Rangers won one now. And it, it comes this guy at half-time in a pink T-shirt doing all the ball juggling. And it's like, you know, bit bop bit, and he's doing all the wee, you know, lying down and doing the keepy ups and flicking it off his shoulders and stuff. And then he gets down and for his big ending thing, he, he he flips the ball up and he volleys it into the net. Only he missed from about six yards out and he sent the ball right up to the top of the Copeland and I was pissing myself laughing. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's poetic justice. Um, coming out to do that is, is that I always remember watching Britain's Got Talent for the first time and I do <laughs> Mr. Wu and I'm like, that's the kind of shit you would see on that man. I'm surprised nobody came <laughs> in to bring Scott Talon to go through that. Oh, um, ball juggling, man. And it's, you know, the Rangers crowd is hard to impress at the best of times, but then when you miss, you know, your big thing, your big trick. And um, another bizarre thing was, do you remember that big Chinese dragon that came out and danced at Ibrox that time during. You know, it was during the lower league years. It was Chinese New Year, and it came this big, you know, the Chinese dragon thing that you see at, at parades. And they hadn't told anybody this was happening, and it was like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, some of the shit we've seen at halftime, like the Mongolian army band uh, and stuff at halftime during the lower leagues. It's that's um, maybe one for one of the hard Oh, there's yeah, a show say, the most bizarre things you've seen during the. Uh, I hate the term banner years during the journey. Um, number one ah. has to be GM in a fucking gazebo. Um, it, it, oh, yeah, I mean, well, the, the, that was bizarre and horrible. Um, I, I always think of these half-time things that somebody at the club must get a call and it must sound good in theory. And then when you see it, you go, hmm. I remember once years ago, I mean, 20 years ago now, they brought out two Big Brother contestants that were up to watch the game and Ibrox just booed the shit out of them. Um, we're not easily impressed and we're not impressed by celebrity. 
Um, uh, yeah, it just as you say, just absolutely insane ideas. But that that Chinese dragon, because I I, I didn't realise they were going to do it, and then, you know I understand it's Chinese New Year, fair enough, right? But I come back with a pie and I'm sitting down and what the fuck is going on? What's in this pie? Ah, exactly. <laughs> have I have I been spiked? Uh, it was it, it, guys are like. I have no idea what even that is. So, yeah, um, it's memorable, I suppose, the fact we're talking about it today, but uh, it was a little odd. Yeah, and it's far far, far away enough that we can now laugh at it. Um, yes. I won't say look back at it fondly, but we can certainly laugh about it. <laughs> yeah, we can laugh about it now, but at the time... No, absolutely. <laughs> so, moving on to a couple of questions about the players. Um Question number five. Who's the Rangers player that you didn't rate but everybody else seemed to love? Oh, that's a really, you know, that was a really good one when it came in. Uh, it, it is subjective. Obviously, I, I, I couldn't stand Stephen Whitaker. Could not stand him. So is that uh, hindsight or at the time? Nope, at the time. And if you listen back to the early heart and hands, you'll hear that. Um, so it, I'm not being... You know, when he did what he did as well with the press conference, that just added to it. Um, but I I just did not rate him at all. Um, yes, he was capable of striding forward and scudding in a belter, but his positional sense defensively was appalling. Um, he never stopped across. My pet hate for a fullback is guys that let loads of crosses in, you know, get out there and get the block in. And that was him. And people would rave about him, um, because of his goals, and they were spectacular. He would have some highlight reel, but I just couldn't take to him at all. And I think it it says a lot. Remember, you know, he was signed for two million quid when Alan Hutton left. Kurt Broadfoot was the right back, so I don't think I was alone in my suspicions that he couldn't defend very well. I think Walter might have agreed with me. I remember at the time I liked having him in the squad. Because like he could play right or left back on the wing or wherever to be fair to him, but I think that carried a lot of weight with a lot of people and maybe clouded their judgment. If you spoke about okay the level of player that he is, they'd open with oh he can play left left back right back or whatever. Yeah, but that's not quite what we're asking. We're asking how good he is at each position. Yes, so, it's just it's a personal thing, you know. And football has changed, and I think it's been difficult for guys of my generation to understand that. Uh, A phrase that we grew up with is a defender's first job is to defend. And football has kind of changed. It it isn't always. As strange as that sounds to us, if you look at, you know, the guys rated as some of the best right backs in the world, if you look at, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, it's the defensive side of his game that's probably the, the weakest. They're in the team as almost as playmakers now, which is football changing. But it certainly hadn't changed back then. And... I I I like it. I like my fullbacks like Sasa Papach. You know, seven out of ten, defensively solid. And I know that that maybe doesn't fit in with modern football. But then I still want Rangers to play four four two. So what do I know? Uh, you still want um, two up front, big guy, wee guy, big guy, wee guy. Yeah, hundred percent. Center half gets let away with a first tackle. The glory mm-hmm. is real fitba. That was fitba, right? Um. Well, the midfield was less like a midfield, more like a war zone. Um, and it's look, see when you grow up watching Kevin Drinkle, Mark Hately, you know, from my dad, Derek Johnston, 
then how can you not admire a big striker that just bullies the shit at the, the opposition defences? And it's one of the reasons I love Alfie, is just his ability to go in there and smash them about and cause chaos. It's it's a genuinely thrilling sight. And as great as having these silky modern footballers is, and it is, and you know, you love watching them, there is still something absolutely thrilling about a cross going in and watching this big centre forward terrorising centre backs and getting on the end of it. I think Dado Posho was my first, I'm a wee bit younger than you, he was my first love um, for that, just this towering striker who would just bully defenders. Oh, um, pity he had shit for knees by the time we mm-hmm. signed him, but um, phenomenal what he did. A warrior. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned Sasa Papacha, leads us nicely on to the next question. Your chance to present the Sasa Papacha Award. For me, he's the ultimate unsung hero at the time. Um, I think we look back on him very fondly and rightly so. So, who's your Rangers unsung hero? And it can't be Papach. Oh, it can't be Papach. Um, you know, but, but as you say, he's he's the archetypal one. I'm going to go back quite a long time then and right to the start of my time watching Rangers. I'm going to pick out another left back, and that's Stuart Monroe, who, in a team full of superstars, it was either big name signings or Ali McCoy, Dean Durant, really talented young Scottish players. You know, as soon as he cost fifteen grand, fifteen grand, wow. um, as never really took to him, and he tried to replace him three or four times, but he never quite managed. Um, and he was he was steady, you know, um, wasn't spectacular, but he was steady. And soon as tried signings in there, and he always returned to him. Uh, so I'm going to go for for Stuart Monroe. He was, you know, in that Rangers team at the time. He was a guy that I just took to, uh, and I admired him. And I like I like the work rate. I like the fact that he was, you know, every time soon as bought somebody to try and you know replace him, he'd fight back and get his, his shot back and get back into the side. And again, it's that, you know, he maybe wasn't spectacular, but never was he awful either. And, and you need that. You, you need consistency in your players. It's no good being nine out of ten one week and four out of ten the next. You know, you, you've got to have a good baseline. And as Sasa, who is, as you say, the absolute epitome of it, just like you never worry about that position. Right. You might know you might not be in the name of many you know, backs of the shots, but. You never need to worry about that position because he's got it covered. Uh, that, to me, I think is is a very admirable quality. And you, you talk about the need for that baseline uh, level of performance, but there's a need for that that characteristic and determination to to know that as soon as one's ready, you, but you're going to work that bit harder that he cannot get rid of you. That sheer determination, just know I am staying. That's mm-hmm. that, that that's invaluable. Absolutely. We, we spoke to him for Art Hand. Um, he lives in Australia now, and I spoke to him when I was over in Australia. Um, and he said that he was very confident uh, up until we signed David Robertson, because David Robertson was a million pounds. And he said, look, at a million pounds, he has to play. But he said, even looking back, though, um, Walter offered him another contract, and he said, I didn't take it, and I should have. Because looking back, what was to stop me forcing my way into the team, he said, you know, Walter wouldn't have been, yeah, David Robertson would probably have started that season ahead of me, but Walter wasn't the type of guy who would be put off by a price tag. 
Um, now, it would have been some going to get by Davy Robertson, but as he says, with the amount of games Rangers would end up playing the next few years, I would have played at some point. So uh, he says that's his one regret. But yeah, you're right. It takes a mental strength to be able to say. And, and how many footballers do we see go at the team and the transfer request is handed in? No, no, don't do not do that. If, you, if you're as good as you think you are, you'll get back into that side if you work hard enough. Die. That work ethic is something that's no probably no spoke about enough in modern day football because it is, as you say, it's uh, diva players spitting the dummy out. So need more Stuart Monroe's in this world, definitely. A hundred percent, mate. So moving on to the next one, mate. Um again, these are all open to your and everybody's interpretation. Um what's your biggest Rangers regret? Uh, oh, the, you know, there are obviously so many of these spring to mind. First of all, I'm not a big one for regrets because, as I said earlier, I'm very just naturally the type of person that once something's done, it's done and you can't change it. So there's no point living in the past. Um, I, I do tend to go, right, what's next? You know, even after a bad defeat, um, I'm pretty good at just going, I'll stew tonight, but then tomorrow... Right, what's next? Um, and it's it's one of my kind of pet hates is when I see people after a, a bad result go, where do we go from here? Where we go to the next game? That's where we go, you know? I've seen uh, a lot of that in the last few weeks, just like oh, three points behind, like leads over, and then you look ahead to the summer transfer window, like, hold on, there's still like 11 games left to play in the Absol- week. Absolutely, and and that's just what you need to do. You, you know, football continues Football keeps going. Um, so that you know, in the summer you can go, right, what are we gonna do? That's fine. But you've next game, that's that's all that matters. Um, because you can't if, if somebody invents a way to go back and prevent us dropping points, that's magic. But till that happens, once it's gone, it's gone. Uh, and I'm like that in my life as well. You know, if something happens, try to learn from it. Try to make sure if if it's painful it doesn't happen again. But but you need to get forward and get on to the next thing in a more positive step. But Zena is hard, isn't it? To to not have a wee tinge of disappointment and regret because had we got had we won that game, then you know, my goodness that what was already an incredibly special run that we'll never forget and a very special day that we'll never forget, but had we won it then, you know, that would have been just beyond incredible. You know, uh, I think I'll I think I'll be like a lot of uh, fans, probably like yourself. I've never actually watched that game back, but I'll, I do have the clear memories of the if buts and maybes of like if only we'd done that or shut down our shaving a bit quicker or or that kind of stuff. And you're right, it's it's still very vivid. Yeah, I'm the same. I've never watched it back, um, and don't really have any desire to. In all honesty. Uh, I just, yeah. Whereas if we, we, we'd won, uh, I'd have worn a, a DVD watching it. But it, it just, and I know some people have said afterwards, I wish we'd gone for it more. And I remember being at a, a speaker's dinner and Walter was there, and it was a Q and A, and somebody asked him that, and he said, if we'd gone for it more that night, we'd have got absolutely hammered. And that's the problem that. Zenit were just a bit better than us, you know. Uh, they had, as you say, Arshav, and it was very special talent. Um, 
I think they'd gone to Germany and hammered Bayern Munich 4-1 in the semis. So they were a serious, serious quality team. Uh, but a wee break, if we'd maybe been able to take the lead, I always remember we had a free kick in the first half and it, it didn't it wasn't close to going in, but if, if somebody could have just produced, you know, a thirty yarder at that moment, what would have happened? I always but, remember well don't always remember I still remember my the, the feeling in my gut when Daniel Cousin got sent off in the semi final thinking we are really going to miss that if we get through. We are really going to miss him. And I still think that he, I don't know if we would have won, but he, he would have gave us a, a dip, something different that night. Oh, 100% he would have, because that's the kind of game he did show up in, Kuzan. That's the kind of game that you, you could expect to see him. Because, I mean, Daniel Kuzan was a superb player when he wanted to be. The problem was he didn't he always want to be. Yeah, he could be after half the time. Yeah, he could, I mean, we, we went back over those seasons for a show the the Walter show on Heart and Hand and you watch the games back and you watch and it's some of these games because we all remember Kuzan fondly because he ended well you know obviously that performance at Parkhead and when he was in full in full stride he, he was he was genuinely unplayable but we watched back a lot of games where he's absolutely awful you know, just a non-factor, can he be arsed? Um, but he would have been arsed that night. And he would have been a different threat because he would have held the ball up, um, which would have got us forward, as you say, ifs, buts and maybes. But, so that's always the one. As I say, I try very hard not to do regret full stop, um, but to instead go, right, OK, this has happened. I'll process it and try to learn from it. But... That one is very difficult to look back on and no go, what if? And it's weird, it's so conflicting because a few people have said uh, Zenit um, is their biggest regret, but at the same time, nobody's, uh, nobody's not spoke about the pride that they felt <laughs> in the team that day as well. And pride looking back as well, but it's very conflicting emotions. Um, no, you're, you're absolutely correct. I remember right at the end of the game, uh, as the players were going round and a couple of them were in tears and I remember shouting at them, you've nothing to be in tears about, you've nothing, you know. Then they were doing the kind of sorry gesture to the fans. It's like, no, you, you, you didn't let us down, lads. Um, I never thought I'd see Rangers in a European final after about 1998. Up to that point, I genuinely did believe that we, you know, we could compete and had a chance, but the way football went, you know, with the top five leagues getting all the money and everything, I, I never thought I'd get a chance to see my team in a European final and they gave me that chance. So for that, I'll be forever grateful. Yeah, you're spotting the the players in the pitch that represented the club that day and nothing to apologise for mm. one bit. So only, only a bit happier. Um, happier questions. Question number eight. What's your, uh, what's your favourite Rangers song, Davy? Oh, well, I mean title of the podcast probably uh, gives, gives that away although Fala, I don't like the name Heart and Hand I never have uh, what happened was we were uh, you know planning the, the first and then the production company said we need a name and I went oh Brian we'll come up with one and completely forgot and then they were like David we need a, a name in the next 10 minutes come up with it um, and that, that's what we came up with but I just don't think it scans very well but um, uh, favourite Rangers songs uh, I, I think some of the modern ones are, are pretty great I'm loving the uh, Tavernier Hadji Kemar Roof and Bassey to the tune of 
uh, the ABBA song. I want to know who in the Union Bears has the obsession with ABBA. It's phenomenal. Well, uh, the thing is with ABBA, it it does fit well into chance, doesn't it? It does, you know, you can get the names in. But you're right, there's somebody that's a big ABBA fan probably kicking about in flares and... (laughs) You know, that's the one to look out for, the guy with flares and the big hat and the huge lapels. But, um, you know, I, I love the traditional songs. So, you know, I better not say too much in case the Daily Record puts me in the fucking <laughs> cover again. But I, you know, I'm a child of the 80s and there's nothing like Ibrox in full voice giving it Ranger songs. Um, but Four Lads Had a Dream, I think, is spine tingling as well. Aye, that is, and I think uh, the, the club have done really well the last couple of years to harness uh, like four lads and every Saturday we follow and that into the, the match day like preparations, like the, the kind of modern versions, uh, no, the recorded versions, sorry. Yeah. And even on the RTV, especially through the like, last year, the um, Pandemic 55, some of the production was amazing. Mm. And... Yeah, again, I think that as as a club anthem goes, you know, follow follow is a belter, um, and you know when the whole stadium's up belting that one out, it is intimidating for the opposition, and a good a good chance should be. Happy days we managed to get uh, through that question without having me shut down. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Hopefully, hopefully I won't. You know, I won't face a police probe this time. <laughs> uh, well, never say never. I'm sure. I'm sure a couple will be listening anyway. Of course. Um, so the penultimate question, David, easy for me to say. <laughs> if um, if you could relive one Rangers moment or day in your lifetime, what would it be? Oh, uh, now this one did give me loads of different different days. Um, 86, 87, winning the league for the first time in my lifetime. That Well, conscious lifetime. Uh, we won the treble year I was born, but obviously I don't remember that. Uh, that that would be up there. Um, you know, some some victories over over Celtic, the the Eric Bo Anderson game, incredibly special game. May the second, nineteen ninety nine, that would be up there. Um, sticking seven by Hibs in ninety five and watching Jim Layton have to be helped off the pitch. He was just broken completely. You know, we we chattered him mentally. That was fun. Uh, Watching Jim Layton sprint after an official after Rangers had scored, I always liked that as well, actually. As you can tell, I didn't really like Jim Layton very much. I was uh, getting the sense of that there, I yeah. get a sense of that, I prick. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but uh, on the park, he was he was very much somebody I never took to. Uh, but, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to go back not that far uh, to, to last season against St Mirren, the day that we... You know, we knew we were winning the league today. We effectively clinched it um, because it was just a very, a very special weekend. We, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be attending the games, and it was something I, I didn't ever take for granted. Uh, and to be honest, if it had been one game, that would have been amazing. The fact that it lasted the whole season was amazing. But I, I did feel a bit of kind of pressure on me to represent the fans and to to try and bring some of the atmosphere from those games and some of the, the feelings from those games to the supporters and to the listeners in Heartland without, I was very aware that, you know, you, you can't, so I don't want to talk about, and I still don't, I'll do it in years to come, but uh, I, I, it, 
it was I didn't want people to think I was giving it all oh, I'm in, you know, we hey. But I, so it was, I kind of felt a pressure. I'm not ex- expressing it very well, but to try and get across it and actually just be people's guy in the stadium. And that day, we'd waited so long, so long for this. And going up to Ibrox, and, and you have to remember how bizarre it was to travel to the games during the, the pandemic. I'd, I'd get on my train in my hometown and there's nobody on it. And you'd get off the train at Glasgow Central and there's nobody in it. And you walk round, you know, and there's nobody in Buchanan Street. And you get in the subway and there's nobody on it. And you walk up to Ibrox on a match day and there's nobody there. It's bizarre. And it never got normal. And, you know, so I walked up to, to the stadium and that day there were, there were, you know, thousands of people and they were making that incredible atmosphere and that noise. And, you know, I met some friends and we're chatting away about what this means to us and everything. And then the ground began to, uh, to empty. As people were going home to watch the game, obviously, or go, you know, wherever they, they were going to watch the game, um, which was, was kicking off at three. And I noticed as I was walking around, because I always go to a, a brick, I mean, I like to, to go to a brick that's, uh, you know, that's, that's got something quite personal to me on it, and, you know, spend a wee minute there thinking, uh, thinking about the, the the person and I noticed as I walked up to stadium there were still people and they were all at bricks and it hit me that what they were all doing was spending a wee moment with maybe somebody who hadn't been able to complete the journey back with the rest of us uh, and they were they were leaving flowers and I was gone and I just realised there were hundreds of people doing this. And you realised what this day meant to all of us, and and what this day meant to you know, you know individuals, but the, the greater Rangers family. And we went into the ground, and Rangers were great. Two 0 up inside twenty minutes, it's done. Start the second half, get a third just to to clinch it. And then at the end, you know, the the, the fans were outside, and the players were trying to get to them, and you know, the cops were trying to hold them back, and the celebrations and you went outside there were thousands of bears everywhere um, and I, I saw my pals and it was spectacular and, and you know I, I don't drink I'm a recovering alcoholic so um, when the when the booze really started to flow I said right that'll do me and I went home and there's a band that I, I love called Old Steady and uh, uh, their songs are all about you know <laughs> drinking and, and drugging and all the effects of it and they're, they're a band that you know soundtrack my wild days and they soundtrack my recovery as well so for that they were playing live on a stream and to be able to spend that you know with them as well and, and hear all these songs was amazing and then the next day of course uh, Celtic dropped points at Tannadice and it all starts up again because that was it that was that official so it was like a weekend of it and it was almost like an out of body experience um, it was almost like <laughs> there aren't any experiences in our life that I think are truly sublime but that weekend was, and I'll never forget it. Uh, just talk about the, the celebrations that everybody would have had um, at some point, whether it was over the Saturday or Sunday. It's it was bizarre because obviously we couldn't. It, very few people would have been doing what they would have wanted to do if it was in normal times. But it's everybody made it made it special. Uh, for, for the most part, um, I've seen people still manage to make it special. Me and my family. Um, we 
had a had a good drink and that Saturday, Saturday night, realised that that's us just getting over the, the line. So woke up on the Sunday and um, I'm partially an emotional hangover, so I just I was doing myself no favours. I was watching back <laughs> videos the day before and I'm like holding <gasps> Holding back, and then David, um, you done your, your post match video, and you were sitting down at the steps. Um, uh, I broke in the main stand, and you could just see the emotion coming through you. Uh, fucking uh, set me off, man. I was, had to sit down because my legs went. I know that might sound odd, but I, I, my legs went numb, and I just I had to take a wee minute to sit down, and and I thought I'm going to get this done for myself. You know this how I'm feeling right now more than anything and I put it out and I didn't want to be too emotional uh, but it was 10 years and it was hell and it was we're through this and we're back and see what you were saying there about the way you you know you celebrated and then that was the other thing about the weekend you know there's a lot of things that are bad about social media but there's a lot of good things as well and we were all connected all of us. So I'm talking to, you know, Rangers fans all over the world and chatting away, and uh, it was just extraordinary. And I know that some people don't understand it, but those people don't matter. It's the people who do understand it that matter. Um, and anyone who says, "Well, it's just football," yeah, it is. And there's more important things in life. I get it. But if you've never experienced what we experience as football fans, it's you are the one that's missing out because those emotions were just phenomenal. Even, yeah, even talking about it now, you know, yeah. um, almost a year later, is is just it'll never be forgotten. And and it's the most important title in our history um, because now other titles will come. You know, hopefully this year, but other titles will come. Whereas that first one, there were times that it felt it never was that first one back that you thought, maybe this is it. There were times where you thought, maybe this is just who we are now, you know? And I mean, obviously there was the lower division things and that was awful. But even when we got back to the Premier League, you thought, well, maybe we're just one of the also-rans now. Maybe this is it in perpetuity. Um, but to get that was just, as I say, it's, it's something that nobody will ever be able to take away from us. And yeah. my wee dog, as you can hear, is quite excited about the thought of it as well. No, nah, your dog showed good taste in title wins, if that's our favourite. Um, so, well, coming to the final question, Davey, nearly there. Um, the last question is, if you could go for a drink with one Rangers manager or one Rangers player, past or present, dead or alive, who would they be? I suppose in your case, um, you know, you can have a eyebrow. Uh, Walter. So, yeah, I don't think you really need much more an explanation, does it? Is no. Walter? Um, I, you know, I was fortunate enough to to meet Walter a few times and to you know meetings at Ibrox and stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm uh, Walter Smith is the Rangers supports father you know, to, to our generation. That's that's what he feels like. He's your other dad. And it, it's still, I think, painful for all of us that, you know, he, he was taken. He, he was such an incredible representation because our club stands for a lot and for 
one man to encapsulate it is absolutely incredible. And he, he managed to do that and represent all the things that we expect and demand. And it's a big wish list, but he was dignified and he was classy and he was cool and, you know, such a kind of leader. Um, and he was authoritative and he had a presence. And then on top of all of those great qualities as a human, he was bloody successful. And he gave me some of the best days of my life and he gave you some of the best days of your life and all the listeners as well. Um, the club are, you know, going to commemorate him and it needs to be big because we said this at the time, you know, this is a club of 150 years, so there are many heroes, but on the kind of Mount Rushmore, for me, it's, you know, it's Struth, it's Waddle, it's Smith, and it's Greg. Now, there are heroes, and then there's getting to that level, and he managed it. So, yeah, that would be mine. It's, when you talk about the father figure there, then it's weird. All generations, or most generations I speak to, um, all different ages, when you ask them the name the Rangers manager, or the first person you think of when you when I say Rangers manager, most will say Walter Smith. You know, it's just my, my dad says that it's the first person I think of, and I dare say there's four younger than me who, that'll be the first, if I say... Like out with Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, who's the first person you think of when I say Rangers managers, Walter Smith, and that's just a long, that's the long lasting legacy, really. I I remember actually there was a European game that Walter and I think it was Galatasaray that Walter and Graham Souness were the studio punters on our TV, and afterwards I, I put a picture up on Twitter um, with Stephen Gerrard there with him and I went oh look there's Stephen Gerrard and, and Graham Souness with the Rangers manager uh, and that's like you, you said it there yourself he's the Rangers manager um, in a way that I'm sure for uh, people of that generation that it was it was truth mm-hmm. um, that's how big Walter Smith is in our history um, you know Martin said it well in one of his shows, he bestrides Rangers history like a colossus. And there are great players and there are great servants and there's guys that played hundreds of games and you know there are guys who change things for the better, like Soonis, like Gerard, but that level, there's like legend and then there's above that and then there's the, the tier above that that's the very thin air, the really rarefied air and he's in that. So, David, I don't think many people could argue picking Walter Smith as the, the Rangers manager. So, who's the Rangers player that you're going to take along uh, along with you for, for your coffee or your day out? Ali. You know, again, just maybe it's a generational thing, but um, he was absolutely my hero. And again, it's it's we, we talked about it earlier. It's not just about what he did on the pitch. It's who he is and what he is. Um and look, I'm not going to sit here and patronise anybody. Ali McCoy is a terrible football manager. Uh, he's really bad at it. But I can divorce that from his status um, as a ranger. And, you know, just the, the, the things he achieved in his career. Um, and again, it's that Roy the Rovers thing. I mean, League Cup finals, come back for a broken leg, barely played in months. Of course, he can, he's not fit and he comes on, he scores a winner. Went overhead kick. Of course he does, because that was Ali McCoy. Um, 
and you know, 15 years scoring goals left, right, and centre throughout all of that. Uh, him and Hately, you know, that that image of the two of them and that Adidas 92-93 kit um, is you know, that that is football to me. If if you want to sum it up, it's that and. You know, and I think having Walter and Ali would be, you'd be guaranteed a lot of very, very cool conversation. Aye, some of the stories they could tell you, and I think it'd be the perfect blend. Uh, uh, you you would laugh, your, your belly sore, and you'd also hear some really inspiring stories, I bet you. Mm, totally. And I think that, you know, the, the, the way that the respect that Ali had for Walter... Um, just shone through and, and shines through, um, but yeah, again, you want the, the, the stories from 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 Ali, uh, and he he was you know he, he was amazing, and he was you know so tough because we talked about it earlier. Those were the days where a defender could could kick the shit at you, and it was sort of accepted, you know. Like the, when I first started watching football, the tackle from behind had just been outlawed and by that up to that point up to the mid 80s you were allowed to go through a forward to get the ball so if the ball was played up to him you were allowed to go through the back of him you know and actually take his legs out to get to the ball and so long as you touched the ball it was fine so forwards had to be real really tough guys um and that that 80s rangers team was was tough they were hard men you know they they, they were battlers as well it was a great story uh, Ian Ferguson told us uh, on Heart and Hand that no long after he'd signed, they were playing Aberdeen, and obviously it's like three and a half hour coach ride down the road. He says, and you know the bevies going with one, everybody's happy. He says, and the next thing Terry Butcher stands up, whacks his top off, and goes, "Right, come on, Scotland versus England punch up, no face shots, everything on the body," and. He says, they all just got the back of the bus and they start fucking wading into each other. <laughs> he says, I says, I see Ali and, and Durante going up and they're punching fuck out each other. He says, uh, punch fuck out the English boys. He says, and, you know, even Chris Woods, big handsome Chris Woods, he's up there. He said, so I'm getting dragged up. He goes, I'm not wanting to go. He goes, there's some big bastards at the back of that bus. Um, he says, and the next thing at the corner of my eye, I see Walter coming up and I was like, oh, thank fuck. Walter's here to stop it. He says, Walter whips his tap off and Bluters Terry Butcher right in the solar plexus. He said that's what that squad was. Um, you know, maybe explains why we get so many injuries right enough. But uh, you know, just they were, you know, they were proper. Um, and that, I love a Rangers team that you want to fight us, we'll fight you, but we'll outplay you, so you don't get any chance. Oh, sounds more like uh, you don't need fighters, we're fighting each other. That's... Well, you know, that, that that was what passed for entertainment in a long <laughs> coach ride. Um, and I just, uh, I love that story so much because as he says, you know, I see Walter and I go, I oh, thank God he's going to end this. And Walter just gets right into it. Um, and he says, you know, as soon as he's just sitting down the front with a beer, you're quite happy. This is fine. This is normal. Um uh, yeah, it, it's you know it, it's a bygone era. It is, and you couldn't couldn't have that now. But uh, and I wouldn't want to have it now. I just I love that story on so many levels. And you know that these were guys that we all look up to. The names there that you know we've mentioned uh, 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 there. You know Ian Ferguson, etc. You know real proper Rangers. 
Aye, I'm glad uh, those days were looking were looking back at fondly and no reliving them. Don't fancy, <laughs> don't fancy seeing how Rangers line up if Alan McGregor was I don't know pit against Ryan Kent and they were betting on him up the back of the bus. Uh, yeah, I, 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 avoiding square goes, I think. But I, do, I even love that you know knee face shots. That's just because that makes it civilized. That, that's it. I no face shots. You know, just body shots. That is just. Hilarious to me. Phenomenal. Well, what, what a way to finish the, the 10 questions, Davey. Um, they weren't so bad, were they? No, no, I mean, they were, they were a load of fun. I uh, really enjoyed them. Uh, as I say, you know, when it's questions that you've got more than one answer to, that's the kind of test I like as opposed to ones I don't know the answer. Uh, that, that, I love doing this show. Um, it's way, like, we can get we can get 10 different folk on and they'll, like, even 10 different folk with the same era, same age, but the answers, there'll, there'll be moments that mean different things to different different fans and just hearing back the stories, it's you'll never get the 10 same answers. Um, it's phenomenal. Yep, you're spot on. And that's what makes it great. Uh, and it's a great thing about following this club is there are 150 years of these memories uh, and these events and that's what makes it what it is. No, but Davey, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit and listen to you. And it's not too much difference to my day. I mean, I'm I seen the daily updates just drop, so I'm going to go go away and just listen to that. But you don't you, you don't need am not on it on a Friday. So. Ah, fuck it, aye. I don't so listen to it one call in a day. Absolutely, I don't I don't listen to it on a Friday. No, thank you for having me, Colin. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I hope the listeners did. Uh, I hope my wee dog didn't annoy you too much, folk. I know there'll be some. Uh, in the background, she's uh, she's a diva, so she she always wants to star. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, my friend. No, uh, we're a dog friendly podcast, um, and and thank you to everybody who's listened today. As usual, if uh, we'd love to have you on, please get in touch with the pod. Come on, tell us about uh, your time following Rangers. Answer the ten questions. But until next week, thanks very much for listening. Take care.